This podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of March 12, 2017. The podcast that calls for representation without taxation. This is your host, Shane Killian, and joining us this week is Charles Thomas. Charlie, welcome back to the podcast. Ah, it has been a while, so um, hello everyone. Let's bungle in the jungle of the news of the bogus. First, another update on Cindy Pryor, the social justice warrior at Queensland University who kicked students out of a computer lab for being white and then sued them for discrimination when they complained about it on social media. Oops, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right there, perfect. She had sued them under Section 18C of Australia's Racial Discrimination Act, which makes it unlawful for anyone to offend, insult, humiliate, or intimidate another person or group on the grounds of race, color, or ethnicity, which is actually what she did to them when she kicked them out of the computer lab in the first place. Well, you know, hey, you know, it's uh, rules for me, not for the... Reverse that. I can't stand these words people are so afraid by. To me, the words might be bad or horrible, but it's always clear intent, context, and actions behind words, too. Yeah, I remember when uh, Eddie Murphy had instructed his audience to yell out the N-word on the count of three, and he counted them off, and they all yelled it together. Kind of a little performance art, because, I mean, in a situation like that, you know, when it's completely devoid of context, the word is kind of meaningless. Exactly. Context is important because, again, these are just things that come out of our mouths. Are words hurtful? Yes, but always remember the context and the action. More often than not, it's the people who are the truly racist ones and the ones who are so cloaked in that language of being, you know, PC and everything else. They're the ones, the ones that boot you out. They're the ones that take you down, you know? She also quit her job, saying that the trauma of this experience made it impossible for her to continue working with white people. Really? Wow, that means she will probably never get a job in Australia, because that's pretty much a lot of white people there. Just saying. You know, judging by the context of their whole character type of thing. But that wasn't what Martin Luther King meant when he said that. Yeah. I've actually heard Black Lives Matter people make that claim. That makes no sense. You know, the color of one's skin should not be an instant demerit. It should never be that. It's or you know, religion or anything else. It is the actions of that one individual. So, after losing her case rather spectacularly, she appealed. But that appeal was just denied. Her claim is that the university failed to take appropriate steps against the students when there isn't the first bit of evidence of any wrongdoing from any of these students, and for that reason, her leave to appeal was denied. Whoopsie! And it also appears that her case against the university is doomed for pretty much the same reason. Which, if you recall, our last coverage of the story means that she is on the hook for the full costs that the students had to pay defending themselves, and if her case against the university goes the same way as seems very likely, she'll probably have to pay their costs as well, which are likely to be a lot more than the 200000 Australian dollars she owes the students. 
Womp, womp, womp. Yo, hopefully she um, gets over that fear of white people, because that means she has to get a job to pay off that debt. <laughs> Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I, Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. Okay, on to the big news this week, which is that WikiLeaks just released the first part of a trove of secret documents from the CIA known as Vault 7, the largest ever leak of confidential CIA files. This first release has over 8,000 documents and files, and WikiLeaks says it's just the first 1% of the dump. Well, of course, and this is a same type of... um Stuff they've been mostly been talking about, like around and after 9-11. And people just seem to not really notice or really care. But now it seems like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, this is not really surprising. I mean, this happened under Bush. This happened under, you know, President Obama. And now it's happening under President Trump. And people are mad. I'm like, no, this type of stuff happened long before. Now, it'll be a while before the experts go through the documents and fully understand what's in there, but Robert Graham has some pretty good preliminary information on his blog, Errata Security, especially covering a lot of the misinformation going on around it. First of all, the claims that the CIA remotely hacked Samsung TVs is not only false, but as far as we know, impossible, quote, the docs are clear that they can update the software running on the TV using a USB drive. There's no evidence of them doing so remotely over the Internet. If you aren't afraid of the CIA breaking in and installing a listening device, then you shouldn't be afraid of the CIA installing listening software. So, they can't do it over the Internet, but they could bug your house after entry this way. You know, like they see in the movies, they go and they plant a microphone, and then people do a sweep for bugs, and then they find all the microphones they're planted. Well... The CIA, if you have one of these TVs, they don't have to do that. They plug a USB device into a vulnerable TV and leave. No microphones anywhere and nothing to find in the TV sitting there listening, but they have to get physical access to the premises. And if you're really worried, all you have to do is make sure the firmware on your TV is updated because this bug was fixed long ago. But I guess people don't realize that if you have a smart TV, it's a computer and you need to keep it updated. And this should be talked about in the mainstream media, but it seems like they're more concerned about with, you know, how someone looks at like a, sitting what, on a couch or something. You know, why couldn't they talk about this stuff? And I guarantee you, people would be talking more positive of the media if they actually did some like real reporting once in a while. I mean, it'd be nice. 
But this is a recurring trend throughout, quote, How is hacking cars and phones not SIGINT, which is the NSA's turf? The answer is via physical access. For example, they might have a device that plugs into the ODBII port on the car that quickly updates the firmware of the brakes. Think of it as normal spy activity, e.g. cutting a victim's brakes, but now with cyber. Or like we just talked about, planning a bug except doing it with the TV. It's really the same stuff that they're able to do normally. They're just utilizing electronics equipment to do it. Now, something else to understand, Signal and WhatsApp are not broken. Quote, The CIA has some exploits for Android and iPhone. If they can get on your phone, then of course they can record audio and take screenshots. Technically, this bypasses or defeats encryption. But such phrases used by WikiLeaks are highly misleading, since nothing related to Signal and WhatsApp is happening. What's happening is that the CIA is bypassing and defeating the phone. Sometimes. If they've got an exploit for it, or can trick you into installing their software. And this goes to something that a cryptographer Adi Shamir, the SNRSA, often says, Encryption is never broken, only bypassed. And Signal does a really good job of encrypting and protecting your texts, but you gotta type in the text at some point before it gets encrypted. And if there's malware on your phone, they could grab it then. Same thing when receiving it. You have to decrypt the text in order to read it. And Signal can do things like protect the memory where the decrypted text is stored, but if nothing else, at some point Signal has to display it on the screen and then the CIA just grabs a screenshot. So the general rule is, once there's malware on the device, it's pretty much over. Third, they're not doing what the NSA does. Quote, the NSA does Signal's intelligence, so they hack radios remotely across the Internet. The CIA does humans' intelligence, so they hack locally with a human. The sort of thing they do is bribe, blackmail, or bedazzle some human asset, like a technician in a nuclear plant, to stick a USB drive into a slot. All the various military, law enforcement, and intelligence agencies have hacking groups to help them do their own missions. And like with the information about iPhones, quote, my vague sense is that CIA is more concerned about decrypting iPhones they get physical access to rather than remotely hacking them and installing malware. CIA is human and covert ops, meaning they'll punch somebody in the face, grab their iPhone and run, then take it back to their lab and decrypt it. Well, that seems um, very uh, needlessly complicated, but... You know. Actually, that, that's a simple way. That's the direct approach there. <laughs> grab them, take the cell phone. That's another rule of thumb. Once they get physical access, it's all over. They're also not that advanced. Quote, Most of this dump is child's play. Simply malware and Trojans cobbled together from bits found on the internet. Sometimes they buy more advanced stuff from contractors or get stuff shared from the NSA. Technologically, they are far behind the NSA in sophistication and technical expertise. And also, quote, the CIA seems to get most of their USB techniques from open source projects such as Travis Goodspeed's GoodFet project. So, I mean, they're just downloading them off the internet like anyone else can. Well, here's a big one about the claim that the CIA has been hoarding zero-day exploits. Quote, For one thing, few zero-days were mentioned at all. The CIA's techniques rely upon straightforward hacking, not super-secret zero-day hacking. Second of all, they aren't keeping zero-days back in a vault somewhere. If they have zero-days, they are using them. And as for the disclosure of zero-days, quote, as far as I can tell, the VEP, that's Vulnerability Equities Process, is designed as busy work, 
to keep people away from those who really use zero days, such as the NSA and the CIA, if they spend millions of dollars buying zero days because it has that value in intelligence operations, they aren't going to destroy that value by disclosing to a vendor. If VEP forces disclosure, disclosure still won't happen. The NSA will simply stop buying vulnerabilities. While this leak isn't an argument for unilateral disarmament in cyberspace, the CIA will have to disclose to vendor the vulnerabilities that are now in Russian hands so they can be fixed. Oh, wow. Good old Russia. It's a Russian theme. The um, Pleasure of Allegiance of Russia. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking Boris bad enough. <laughs> we get the zero days and then we get Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> oh, they're probably doing a remake of that right now. Well, they did Peabody and Sherman, so. Mm, that was decent. <laughs> but this really does hurt the CIA. Quote, we can develop antivirus and intrusion detection signatures based on this information that will defeat much of what we read in these documents. This will put a multi-year delay in the CIA's development efforts, plus it'll now go on a witch hunt looking for the leaker, which will erode morale. Although he does say in an update, quote, Three extremely smart and knowledgeable people who I respect disagree, claiming it won't hurt the CIA a lot. I suppose I'm focused on hurting the cyber abilities of the CIA, not the CIA as a whole, which is mostly non-cyber in function. So apparently there's a lot more to come. Experts are still coming through this first trove, and who knows how much longer WikiLeaks will be releasing these. My guess is, although this is a lot more information than Snowden's leaks, it doesn't seem to be as crucial since the CIA does seem to be operating one-on-one -on -one against suspected parties, as opposed to the blanket surveillance the NSA has been doing, but we'll keep an eye on it. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age, so go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world, and they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. We've talked quite a bit about copyrights and patents and the harm they cause while actually stifling the innovation we're told they're needed to spur, but there's only been a few times we've talked about trademark issues, but here's another one. SoundCloud has told TechDirt's Boz Grassmeyer, who has had a SoundCloud account pretty much since it started in 2007, that he can't use his own name because someone else trademarked it, specifically the rapper boss, whose real name is Abbas Hamad, who started rapping at least two years after Grassmeyer got his SoundCloud account. You know, that's my worst fear, is someone taking my name. I know I have my own little podcast, Dukes to Tea Lounge, and um, you know, all that stuff. Cheap plug. But um, <laughs> it's funny that they will do anything to do whatever it takes to trademark an ideas to take away something that you worked on. Yeah, and then Duke University comes after you. You're using our trademark. Crap. And so does the Duke of Earl. Yeah, but 
it shows you that trademarks need a huge reform. Well, he figured it was just one of those automated things, so he wrote back and said that that was his name. SoundCloud wrote back to him, quote, The reporting party have been able to provide us with evidence that they own trademark rights to the term boss. This means that, legally speaking, they are entitled to prevent other individuals operating within the same industry from using this term. That being said, there is an exception within the trademark directive that may apply in your case. This exception states that trademark owners can't prevent an individual from using their own name in the course of trade. If we receive documentation proving that your name is boss, we'll be able to push back and reject the trademark infringement claim. Because when it's your own name, they can't stop you from using it. Well, except when they can. I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast, but there was an Israeli living in my home state of North Carolina. His name is Uzi Nissan, and he started a computer store called Nissan Computer Corp. In 1994, he registered Nissan.com. A couple years later, he formed an internet services business and registered Nissan.net. And then in 1999, Nissan Motor sued Uzi for $10 million and sought to restrain him from using his own name. And this really should have been a no-brainer. The court should never have let this get past summary judgment, but it went on for years. And the court said, okay, you can keep the domain names, but you're not allowed to advertise on it or place any commercial content on it, which makes it kind of hard to do business, so... That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, he appealed, and it went on for years, and during which point he was denied his right to a jury trial, but finally in 2008, things were ruled in favor of Nissan Computer, but when they tried to recover costs from Nissan Motor... They only got $58,000, which is less than 2% of what they spent defending the case. So even when you win, you still have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. Because unlike Australia, we don't have loser pays. Oh, goodness. You know, that would be really nice. You know, why not have them pay up a little? Say, hey, you know what? You put this person through a ton of crap here. You know what? That's literally nothing for that big uh, company and everything else. Yeah, but, but I mean, you can really understand the predicament SoundCloud is in. I don't want to start attacking them because you can see why they just don't want to get involved in all of that. Like all of IP, trademark laws have been twisted and expanded so that they don't even resemble what their original intent was, which was to prevent brand forgery. So, Boss sent them proof that this is his name, it's short for Bastian, and this is a common name and abbreviation in the Netherlands, so it's sort of like if someone named Michael shortened his name to Mike and got sued by someone else named Mike. So, that's kind of what's going on here, but as of just before the podcast I checked, his SoundCloud account is still up, so that's a good sign, and hopefully he's not in for the fight Uzi Nissan found himself in. Well, here's hoping, and you know what, we're rooting for you, man. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. 
And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to recalibrate this week's Biggest Bogani Emitter. And we have a first this week. Biggest Bogani Emitter and Idiot Extraordinaire going to the President and Vice President in the same week. <laughs> Joe Biden took Idiot Extraordinaire in 2011. Barack Obama took either of these on several occasions. But they never coincided. But now, less than two months into the Trump administration, it's happened. So Two months. That is amazing. And... We have to give a shout out to Blame the First because he was the one who nominated this. So it's well with Donald Trump. He made it supposedly basically his huge first address to Congress. And he made, well, how many state? He made 61 statements. Well, it, it was a 61 minute speech. And according to this source, he told 51 falsehoods in that 61 minutes. Wow. <laughs> now, some of these I'm going to call bogosity on, like the one mentioned in this Indy 100 article, like how many Americans are out of the workforce. And he was going by the labor participation rate, and that was dropping throughout the Obama years, and it's still the lowest it's been since the 70s. While they're right that it does include college students and disabled people, the figure always has. So it's not really an argument against Trump or the statistic, but yet... In so many ways, it's a better measure than the unemployment rate. That right there is, um, you know, we could, well, we'll give that a pass. That's one, so that's, well, what? At least, yeah. what, 50? <laughs> but most of the items in the Google Docs show actual misinformation. Obama stepped up border enforcement. He didn't leave our own borders wide open. Drug seizures are still going on. A lot of the job gains since Trump took office were in the works back before the election. And that whole F-35 thing, it just needs to be scrapped, not reformed or done more cheaply or whatever. Oh, goodness gracious. Jobs created by Keystone and Dakota Access are temporary, just like Obama's infrastructure jobs, which Trump wants to do as well. Yeah. Violent crime is way down and has been dropping since the 1990s. And immigrants create jobs for natives. They don't take them. Even after you say it 10,000 times, people just say, you know, the whole immigrants take my jobs, which... You want to say that, but that's the facts don't care about your feelings. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true, <laughs> as Homer Simpson said. Yeah, but here's one I like about this. Um, it says, well, according to the National Academy of Sciences, our immigration call system costs America's taxpayers many billion dollars a year. But according to an economics professor at Cornell University, they found little to no negative effects on overall wages and unemployment of na native-born workers in the long term. From his own source. Uh. <laughs> the source. <laughs> and it's not like America ever stopped cracking down on illegal drugs and your chances of being killed by a terrorist are still basically zero. You get more chances of being killed by a cop than a terrorist, but that's a, well, discussion for another You're time. You're more likely to be killed by a cow than a terrorist. Well, that would be really awkward. Uh, no, it happens. They get in the road, you run into them. People die from cows. What about a cop that's actually a cow, though? <laughs> a cow cop. That could, that could work. Yeah, more cows as cops. It could only be an improvement. Mm. Now, there are some other stuff I'll call bogosity on, like the usual tax cuts for the rich crap and... 
my personal favorite. He said that this economic indicator is bad. Well, it's better than it was in the Depression. Oh, really? That's our metric now. Better than the Depression. That's your standard. Yes, the Depression that basically uh, <laughs> basically economically destroyed the entire country. That's your comparison? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't think you people need me to go down one by one and confirm or debunk them. You can pretty much do that by yourself. But it still shows there's plenty to criticize about Trump. But it's pretty much the same stuff we criticized about Obama. Welcome the new boss. Same as the old boss. Yeah, I think at this point, Donald Trump is just elected. He is the mean president. I think he got elected because of that. And now I guarantee you saying, well, you know, but at least Hillary would be, you know, at least she would have been a woman. I'm like, at least he's a woman. Like that, if you want to have with that metric, you know, that's that's a really sad metric to go on. I really don't think women would have wanted for the first woman president to be someone like Hillary. Uh, well, you know, don't like discredit the whole gender right off the bat with the first. <laughs> yeah. So that's how President Trump took his first biggest bogey emitter. Bogosity.tv gives you great ways to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. Or go to Prime.Bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, Go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited. Read over 1 million books and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. Or go to home.bogosity.tv to try Amazon Home Services. Over a thousand different services from quality hand-picked pros, from house cleaning to equipment and furniture assembly, plumbing, electrical, painting, and other handyman services, all backed by Amazon's happiness guarantee. And as always, check the right-hand side of the podcast page for special Amazon deals. And now let's run Hashcat on this week's Idiot Extraordinary. So, like I said in the last segment, it goes to Vice President Mike Pence, who was very vocal in chastising Hillary for using a badly secured personal email server to send and receive official emails to Secretary of State, as we did as well. It served as a means to escape personal accountability, as well as potentially exposing classified information to hackers. Well, it turns out that as governor, Pence routinely used, get this, AOL to send and receive government emails. Not, I mean, not even Gmail. AOL. And last summer, the account was hacked. <laughs> I honestly, that is to me one of the most funniest things I heard. I started laughing and I was like, you know what? This is perfect. It's perfect because I remember everybody and their mama was saying, oh, Hillary using a private email. She need to lock her up, lock her up. And now, now this, Mike Pence using an AOL account. At this point, they have no really leg to stand on, unless they can just arrest um, him, Hillary, and all the other stuff, which I doubt that's not going to happen. That works for me. Arrest them all. <laughs> Um, you know, but they're lawyers, so they'll probably find a way to get out. Yeah. That's a problem. But then again, that's a whole other issue, lawyers in Congress. But, you know, 
So his use of the AOL account came to light based on documents acquired by the Indy Star via public records request. A number of the emails weren't released under this request because the state of Indiana considered them too confidential and too sensitive for release to the public, and that included discussions with Homeland Security and subjects such as the resettlement of Syrian refugees. Oh, yeah, and you used this on a pretty much on a public email server, which was hacked. Well, the hack occurred in 2016 when hackers compromised the account. They used it to send scam emails to Pence's contacts, claiming that he and his wife were stranded in the Philippines and requested financial assistance. And it's pretty much, you know, a, a broad bot attack. It doesn't really seem like something that was targeted at Pence. But it was two years after AOL revealed that a lot of its accounts have been compromised and recommended that all users change their passwords. So even though the one we know about is probably just a relatively harmless spot, it's entirely possible that other hackers managed to get in. That would have given them access to everything in his inbox and outbox. But following the attack, Pence closed his AOL account and created a new email account on AOL again. Ah, the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> well, if it weren't for people being insane, AOL wouldn't have any business at all, so. <laughs> and I'm sure Pence is far from the only government official to do this, but if you add that to his very vocal criticism of Clinton for using a private email server and calling for an FBI investigation, that just makes it all deliciously hypocritical. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious. Now... We should point out that unlike Hillary, Pence wasn't actually breaking the law by doing this, but it's still a terrible idea. That and the hypocrisy gets Mike Pence named this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this. I can see where you've been having problems. See, this isn't actually a computer. It's a briefcase edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail. Or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Charles Thomas for joining me. Thanks for letting me on, Shane. No problem. Until next time, here's a quote from Robert Heinlein. Nobody ever wins a lawsuit but the lawyers. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Derivatives 4.0 International License. Want answers to creationist claims against evolution? Would you like to know more about evolution yourself, or even engage creationists more directly, with actual peer-reviewed sources to back you up? My book, How Evolution is Scientific, is designed to show the basics of evolutionary theory and how it is so well supported using the scientific method. It's impeccably sourced, with references to the actual scientific material, and is arranged using the creationists' own criteria of what is scientific. Using their own arguments against them, see how evolution is scientific, but creationism is not. Based on observations, accurate predictions, logic, and evidence. 
get answers to common creationist claims, and even a primer on abiogenesis, the start of all life. It's all in my book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and never be taken in by creationists again. My book, How Evolution is Scientific, available at Amazon and on Kindle, EPUB, and PDF as well. Get How Evolution is Scientific and never be taken in by creationists again.